the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. It is so wonderful to see all of you uh, today. Uh, my name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. If you're joining us for the first time today, or maybe you're in town for the holidays, uh, welcome to our church. We're so glad that you're spending Christmas Eve with us. And for those of you, um, maybe today's the first time in a long time, well, welcome back home. We're, we're so glad that you're back. Well, today is Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas. And Christmas uh, is uh, one of the three major Christian holidays along with uh, Good Friday and Easter. And on Christmas, Christians celebrate the birth or the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to be the Savior of the world. Uh, this happened about 2,000 years ago. The birth of Christ is so important that the world counts time based on his birth. Right? Either something happened before the birth of Christ or after the birth of Christ. And on Good Friday, Christians remember the death of Christ on the cross, where he gave his life as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And then on Easter Sunday, Christians celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which assures Christians that we too will rise after we die, and that we will one day live with Christ forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Those three historical events, the birth of Christ, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ are, are, are essential, the, the very foundation of the Christian faith. And today we get to focus on Christmas, on the coming of Christ, otherwise also known as the advent of Christ. Now we live in a time when um, people around the world uh, love and enjoy the Christmas season, but nowhere more so than here in America. Even for those who don't hold to the Christian faith, Christmas season is often their favorite time of the year. And there is so much to love about the Christmas season, right? There's Christmas trees, Christmas presents, Christmas lights, Christmas decorations, Christmas vacations, Christmas parties, and we even get children's choir at Christmas Sunday services, right? Uh, but best of all, and, and maybe a little bit stressful at times, is time with family. We get family meals and family time. There is so much to love and to appreciate and to, to enjoy about the Christmas season. And yet, so many Americans who enjoy the Christmas season don't know or understand the meaning of Christmas, at least from a biblical point of view, uh, apart from Christmas being Jesus' birthday and we're supposed to love one another. It's a very superficial, thin understanding of the meaning of Christmas. So today, what I want to do is talk about the biblical meaning of Christmas. And if you can't learn about the meaning of Christmas at church, where can you, right? So to, today, since you're at church, it's my joy to teach us or to remind us uh, about the meaning of Christmas because, uh, to be honest, it's really easy to forget, isn't it? In the midst of the busyness and the stresses of the Christmas season, we can actually forget what Christmas is actually all about. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read from chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. And because today is an all-church worship service, we'll have a scripture reader from our youth ministry. Uh, for this service, we're going to have Christy Hahn. She's not a student in the youth ministry. She's a leader in the youth ministry, and she will read scripture for us. Let's welcome Christy to the stage. People of God, this is the word of our God. Would you please give it your careful attention? Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Christy. The meaning of Christmas can be summarized with uh, three statements. Christmas means, first, that Christ has come. Second, that Christ is here. And third, that Christ is coming. So first, Christmas means that Christ has come. Our text today tells us not only that Christ came, but why he came. The reason for his coming is found in the meaning of his name, Jesus. Verse 21 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The Hebrew name Jesus literally means the Lord saves. And this is why Jesus came into the world, to save his people from their sins. In the beginning, when God created the world, God also created all the living creatures that filled the world, right? From the fish of the seas, to the birds of the air, to the animals that lived on land. And then last of all, as the pinnacle of his wonderful creation, God created man. And he created man in his own image as male and female. That means that God created man to have a special relationship with God, for man to know God, to love God, to be loved by God, and to walk with God. Like a mirror, man was created to reflect God's glory and goodness. Man was created to live in a loving and satisfying relationship with God. Man was supposed to know and experience peace and wholeness, and the whole world was supposed to experience peace and wholeness. That's the way everything should have been. But one day, Satan, in the form of a serpent, came to Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, uh, in the Garden of Eden, and lied to them, telling them that God did not really love them, that God did not really have their best interests at heart. And foolishly and tragically, Adam and Eve believed the lies of the serpent, and they began to distrust God. And their distrust of God led to disobedience to God, do you realize that distrust of God always leads to disobedience to God? And so Adam and Eve did what they thought would make them happy. They took matters into their own hands instead of trusting and obeying God for their happiness. And so through their sin, which we call the original sin, sin came into the world and sin ruined and corrupted everything in the world. And that's why the world today is the way that it is. And that's why we are 
the way that we are. That's why there is so much darkness and evil in the world and in us. That's why there's sickness and cancer and death in the world and why sickness and death will come to each and every one of us. That's why there's racism and sexism and classism and terrorism and every other ism in the world and to some degree in our own hearts as well. That's why there's greed and lust and pride and jealousy and hatred in the world and also in us. That's why there's cruelty, violence, murders, and wars in the world and to some degree in our own hearts as well. That's why there's injustice and abuse of power in the world and why none of us are above injustice and um, abusing power if we're given the chance. That's why there's so much suffering and sorrow in the world and why there is so much suffering and sorrow in our own lives. You see, friends, this is the reason why so many things in the world make us sad and mad, things that break our hearts and make us angry. And it's also the reason why we all say and do things that make others mad and sad, that cause others to have their hearts broken, that cause others to get angry at us. Sin is the reason why this world is the way that it is and why we are the way that we are. Sin is the reason why the world is so messed up and also the reason why we're so messed up. You see, sin didn't just break the world, it also broke us. But God, but God, in his mercy, promised to save the world that he created and loved, the world which has now been ruined by sin. Through the prophets, God promised that he would one day send the Messiah, send the Savior who would save his people from their sins and who would restore this world that had been ruined by sin. And so the world waited for God to keep his promise of salvation, for God to redeem and to restore all that was ruined and broken. Christmas means that God remembered and kept his promise. Because God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, to be the Savior of the world, to be the one who restores our world. By dying on the cross for the sins of the world and by rising from the dead, Christ saved his people from their sins and he began the work of restoring a world that was ruined by sin. So what is the meaning of Christmas? First, Christmas means that Christ has come. Christ has come to be the savior of sinners. Christ has come to be the restorer of the world. Christ has come. Second, Christmas means that Christ is here. He's still here. In our passage, there is another name that is given to Jesus or to the Christ. Verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Jesus, God has come to be with us. And here's the thing, God never left. He stayed. He's still with us. At the very end of uh, Matthew's gospel, the very last words um, that are attributed to the risen Lord Jesus in Gospels of Matthew is this. The very last sentence. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, after Jesus rose again from the dead, 
in his resurrected body, Jesus met with his disciples over a span of 40 days. And he taught them about the kingdom of God. And then, before their very eyes, the resurrected Lord Jesus ascended up into heaven. He was physically lifted up off of the ground. And he rose up into the sky. And he disappeared in, uh, behind the clouds as he returned to heaven. By the way... What Jesus did in his ascension back to heaven is just as miraculous, just as supernatural, and just as astounding as what he did in his resurrection from the dead. And you can imagine the, the disciples who were watching all of this happen must have been in shock. Their mouths wide open. They were looking up into the sky and Jesus disappeared and they didn't know what to do. So they kept staring into the heavens. And then we're told... In Acts chapter 1, the two angels appeared to them, to the watching, gaping disciples, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Just for a moment, I want to, I want to ask you to imagine yourself. Put yourself in the shoes or the sandals of these disciples. Imagine you've, you've seen all these things with your own eyes, right? You, after Jesus was resurrected in his resurrected form over a period of 40 days, you met with him, you learned from him, you fellowshiped with him. And then at the end of that, you saw him physically rise up into the skies and disappear and return to heaven. If you watched all of that and you saw that with your own eyes, could you ever deny that Jesus was still alive? I don't think so. You would claim that Jesus was alive, that he'd come back from the dead, even at the cost of your own life. And, and in fact, um, all the disciples went to their deaths insisting and testifying that Christ really did rise from the dead. They could not deny what they saw and what they knew to be true. In fact, they would rather die than deny what they saw and what they knew to be true. And every one of the disciples gave their lives for their testimony that Christ was raised from the dead. In fact, John was the only disciple who wasn't put to death for his testimony, but he was exiled to an island, and he died of old age in exile. Every one of the disciples paid a heavy price for their testimony, to maintain their testimony that Christ really was raised from the dead. And I bet if you saw all that they saw, you would do the same, that you would even give your life for your testimony that I really saw Jesus raised from the dead and I saw him ascend up into heaven. Well, after the risen Lord Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven, 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, the risen Lord Jesus who sat down at the right hand of God sent the Holy Spirit upon his church. And since that day, Jesus, by his spirit, has been with his church, with his people. In fact, Jesus isn't just with his people. He dwells in his people. You know, if you're a Christian, then Jesus is closer to you than your own breath. Jesus is not just near you or with you, but he dwells and lives in you. Christmas means that Christ is here. That Christ is with us and in us by his spirit. 
Christ is with us by his spirit, and he reminds us through the preaching of the gospel of our truest and our most ultimate identity, that we are the beloved children of God the Father, that we are the precious bride of God the Son, and that we are the holy temple of God the Spirit. Christ is with us by his spirit, and he is renewing us and conforming us into the very image of Christ as he causes us to bear the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Christ is with us by his spirit, and he befriends us in those moments where we feel alone, forsaken, and forgotten where our only companions seem to be anxiety, depression, and tears, Christ is with us. And he's with us to console us in our sufferings and in our sorrows, promising that all things, even the hard and painful things that are happening in our lives, will somehow work together for our eternal good. We don't know how, but we trust him that they will work together somehow for our long-term eternal good. And Christ is with us by spirit, and he comforts us in our disappointments and in our losses, reminding us that our hope is not in this world that is passing away, but our hope is in the coming city of God, which will never pass away. And Christ is with us by his spirit to protect us and to guide us as he promised to bring us safely home to his heavenly kingdom. And Christ is with us by his spirit to empower us to not only preach the good news, but to do good so that others might come to believe on Christ, so that others might be gathered into his kingdom and his church and be a part of his family with us. You know, do you know when the presence of Christ with his people by his spirit is beautifully and powerfully manifested or revealed? It's when his people worship Christ in the midst of their sufferings and losses, testifying to the goodness of God no matter what their circumstances may be. It's when his people humbly repent of their sins and they desire to change and to become more like Christ, not only for the glory of Christ, but for the good of those that they live in community with. It's when his people forgive and reconcile with those who have hurt them or wronged them, extending to them the mercy that Christ first extended to them. It's when his people love and care for and serve one another at a cost to themselves, just as Jesus loved us, cared for us, and served us at a cost to himself, even the cost of his own life. You see, when Christ's people behave in surprising and refreshing ways, in ways that the world cannot understand, in ways that signal to the world that they belong to another kingdom and serve another king, that's when they give beautiful evidence that Christ is with them and in them by his spirit. You see, the meaning of Christmas is displayed not just on Christmas Day, but every day when the people of Christ think speak and behave in beautiful ways that demonstrate that Christ is with them and in them by his spirit. So Christmas means that Christ has come and that Christ is still here. He never left. He's here by his spirit. Third and lastly, Christmas means that Christ is coming again. Christmas is called the first advent or the first coming of Christ. 
That means that there is another coming, another advent, a second coming, a second advent. In John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, Jesus said this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus said that he would come again. The New Testament talks about it as the second coming of Christ. And there will be a big difference between the two comings of Christ. You see, at his first coming, Jesus came in weakness and in humiliation. He was born as a helpless baby, uh, born in an animal shed because there was no room for him in the inn. His glory was veiled. His glory was not recognized. And he was treated like a pauper. But at his second coming... Jesus will come in power and in glory as the majestic King of kings and the Lord of lords. And on that day, his glory will be fully revealed and every eye will see it and every knee will bow before him. And when the risen and glorious Lord Jesus returns, he will finally and fully restore this ruined world into the new heavens and the new earth. And on that day, this world will become the world that we have always wanted. A world without sin, a world without sorrow, a world without suffering, a world without sickness, a world without death. You know, 2023 has been a hard year. Um, For me particularly, I feel like uh, it's been a particularly hard year. Uh, Pastor Harold uh, Kim, uh, one of our former pastors at this church, and my best friend, we were talking on the phone this week, and we were just talking about how suffering has come to so many of the people that we know and love. Um, Obviously, not only was my wife, Margaret, diagnosed with cancer this year, but we also have another close mutual friend whose wife was also diagnosed with cancer this year, and her battle against cancer has been really really, really hard. And she's so young. She's just in her 40s. And um, there have been so many deaths. I I know there's always deaths, but death felt so much nearer and more real to me and to my friend Harold. We have two mutual friends whose wives both passed away from cancer this year, leaving behind husbands and young children, and they were both in their 40s, so young. Uh, Jimmy Kim, uh, he was my uh, taekwondo coach in college and uh, a gold medalist at the 1988 Olympics in Seoul. He suddenly passed away this year because of an autoimmune disorder that attacked his lungs. Jimmy was built like a tank. For those of you that may know him, he was, he, was, he was a large human being. And it was inconceivable to me that a human that large and that strong could just pass away so quickly, just like that. Caught all of us by surprise. And he was only in his mid-50s, and he was married to uh, my wife's, uh, one of her close college friends. 
In fact, Margaret uh, had another college friend who recently passed away from a freak accident. He fell off a ladder doing work around his house. And she has another friend who was married to a pastor in Philadelphia, and he just recently passed away from cancer, and he was just a couple of years older than me. And the most influential pastor in my life, Pastor Tim Keller, passed away this year after his battle with cancer. This year, I felt like I lost my pastor. He pastored me from afar. And a dear friend of mine this year lost his job for unjust reasons, and another dear friend is about to lose his job. They're both in their mid-50s. They should be at the stage of their careers where they should be thinking about retirement, not stressing out, looking for new jobs to continue their careers. And of course, there are many people, especially young people, who are struggling with their mental health as they suffer from depression and anxiety. You know, some churches have even started what they're calling blue Christmas services. And these are services for those who are mourning and weeping and grieving the hard and harsh realities of life during the Christmas season. And even in our own church family, there are those who are struggling with grief and sorrow and loneliness during this Christmas season. There has been so much suffering and sorrow in 2023, and maybe 2023 was a hard and painful year for you as well. But do you know what the second coming of Jesus Christ means? It means that this will not be this way forever. It means that everything that is sad in your life, everything that is sad in the world will become untrue one day. Uh, pastor Huey Lee, our youth pastor, uh, preached something in a sermon last week to our youth that I want to share with you because it's so good, so powerful. He was talking about the return of Jesus and how when Jesus returns, he will usher in the new heavens and the new earth and how the new heavens and the new earth will be the complete and comprehensive healing and restoration of creation. And he said this. In other words, this broken world and our broken selves is not the only world that we're going to have. When, not if, when Jesus returns and ushers in the kingdom of God in its fullness and wholeness, we will be the most alive and free than we've ever been. In our longing to be truly seen, fully known, and deeply loved, we'll be satisfied. On this side of eternity, cancer Depression, anxiety, addiction, abuse, loneliness, suicide, entitlement, greed, lust, pride, selfish ambition, shame and fear, which are the causes of so much pain, heartache and sorrow and brokenness in our lives and in our world, they all have an expiration date. It means that all the things that are wrong and broken with the world, all the things that are wrong and broken with us, all those things have an expiration date. Things will not always be as they are. You see, one day when the Lord Jesus comes again, he will make all things right and all things new. He will usher in the new heavens and the new earth, and the world will be the way it was supposed to be. And we will be the way we were supposed to be, the way we long to be. Sin, suffering, sickness, sorrow, and death, 
all those things have an expiration date. One day when Jesus comes again, those things will expire and they will be no more. Amen? That is our hope. So Christmas means that Christ is coming. And we long for the day when Christ will come again to restore the world and to restore us. So what? So what's the meaning of Christmas? Again, three simple statements. First, Christmas means that Christ has come. He has come to be our Savior and the restorer of our world. Second, Christmas means that Christ is here. He is with us. He is in us by his Spirit. And third, Christmas means that Christ is coming again. And when he does, he will restore this broken world into the new heavens and the new earth. And he will restore us to be like him so that we ourselves will be without sin, so that we might be perfect in holiness, righteousness, and love. Today on Christmas Eve, my one ask of you is this. Today, I want to invite you to faith. Today, I want to invite you to believe the meaning of Christmas. Today, I want to ask you to put your faith in Jesus because he is the Christ who came. The Christ who is here and the Christ who is coming again. You see, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, no matter how far you may have run from God, today, would you return to Christ? And would you believe in him? And would you receive the salvation and eternal life that he offers to you today? Today, if you believe in Christ, all your sins will be forgiven. You'll be adopted into his family. You will become a beloved child of God, and God will become your, your loving father. Today, if you believe in Jesus, you will never, ever be alone again because Christ will be with you and in you by his spirit, and he will keep you safe and bring you safely home to his heavenly kingdom. And if you believe in Christ, today I promise you that when Christ comes again, you will live with him in the new heavens and the new earth and everything will be the way it's supposed to be and you will be the way you're supposed to be. You will be perfect in both body and spirit. Perfect in outward beauty and love in your bodies. A day where there will be no more wheelchairs, no more hospital beds, no more medicine. And in your spirit, you will be perfect in love and joy and peace. This is what is promised to us. This is what is awaiting us when Jesus comes again. Where in body and soul, we will be made perfect. So today, Christ Central, on this Christmas Eve, let us worship Christ. And let us adore him and follow him and live for him. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that on this day we get to remember and to celebrate that you sent your son Jesus to be the Christ, to be the Messiah, to be the savior of sinners and the restorer of the world. And today I pray, Father, by your spirit for every man, woman, and child in this room who has heard the Christmas story that we might believe on Christ the Christ who came, the Christ who is here, and the Christ who is to come again, and that we might know the joy of life everlasting. Amen.